Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Do not, do not, do not touch that dial. You heard the man. It's time for Fox Sports Sunday as the 2022 sports calendar rages on and it's off to a rousing start. We're 12 hours away from the Pro Bowl kickoff. We're about 170 and a half hours away from Super Bowl 56. And on that note... Please put your seat backs forward, your tray tables upright. We're ready for takeoff. My name is Bernie Fratto. I'm coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. We'll take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern, along with my savvy and capable crew, Bo Benson, Chris Perfett, and Brian Fenley on the updates as they man the ship from our Los Angeles compound. As usual, we've got a ton on the agenda tonight, including an early Super Bowl look, including some prop bets, and uh, the Fezzik Five, Steve Fezzik, the only two-time winner of the Hilton Super Contest, did it in back-to-back years, will join us in about 15 minutes with the Fezzik Five. We're also going to touch on the latest in Major League Baseball in the lockout. You just wait. You just wait. Two days after the Super Bowl, there's a little thing that's supposed to happen. It's not going to. It's called pitchers and catchers reporting. And if you followed me since June of 2020 and my commentary on this, yeah, get ready. Major League Baseball, has the owners have requested the services of a federal mediator. And the players have to agree to that. They say, nah, not so much. We're not going to do that. They can't even agree on that. 
Uh, this is going to get ugly. Well, it's already ugly, but uh, it's going to get uglier. Uh, we're also going to take a look, a closer look at what I think the biggest story of the week, and that's the lawsuit filed by Brian Flores against the National Football League. I will give you my thoughts on that. And from a journalistic perspective, I'm not going to argue it in moot court. And I'm not going to take sides, but I'm going to give you some what I consider to be observations uh, that aren't really being talked about. Uh, listen, uh, Aaron Rodgers, there are potentially, believe it or not, eight destinations where he could end up next year. Although, and again, that's only if he packs up and leaves. I'm on record. I say he stays in Green Bay. We'll see if I'm, I'm right or not. And uh, we've got that much, much more. I, I know that uh, that Jimbo Fisher had some comments. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk a little bit about that Texas A&M NIL program that they call Amplify. It's nothing short of incredible in terms of the collaborative effort they've put together, and they just signed the greatest class of all time. But first, I want to look back at last week's Sunday Fun Day. And I think coming out of last weekend's Sunday Fun Day, I'm referring to the uh, National Football League NFC and AFC Championship games. I think there are five questions that have come out of that. Right? I mean, it was a bonkers day, but uh, the Super Bowl set Bengals Rams, and uh, I reveled in last Sunday's games because of how they of how they played out. My goodness, the Bengals were down 21-3. They came back and won it in Arrowhead, beating the Chiefs twice uh, in, 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 what, three, four-week period. Uh, it's incredible what, what this Bengals story is, it led by Joe Burrow, who's trying to become the first quarterback ever to win the Heisman Trophy, a national championship, and a Super Bowl. And if he does it, it'll be all within a span of three years, nothing short of incredible. Give the Rams huge credit, trailing 17-7, heading into the fourth quarter. And... Uh, they come back and, and, and win the game. Uh, you can insert your own Jaquaski tart jokes here. But look, let's face it. He dropped the interception, Tart did, but the Rams still had to take advantage of it. You know my motto. It's very simple. Be the right place at the right time, but it doesn't do you much good if you don't take advantage of it. To the Rams and Matt Stafford's credit, they took advantage of that deadly mistake by Jaquaski tart So what are, what are the five questions that were raised? One. Can the Bengals protect Joe Burrow? See, the last two games have primarily been a nightmare for Cincinnati's offensive line. Burrow was sacked only once in last Sunday's win, but he faced pressure most of the afternoon. And the week before against Tennessee, he was sacked nine times. There were eight quarterback hits. Uh, checked out 13 quarterback hits against Tennessee. And Tennessee lived in the backfield. There were, I, th I think, eight tackles for loss. Uh, and last week, Kansas City got after Burrow pretty good as well in terms of pressure. This week, they're facing the real McCoy. I'm telling you, this is a defensive front that has two Hall of Famers, Aaron Donald and Von Miller, and the Cincinnati offensive line isn't exactly one to write home about. So, I, I you know, they've got to, Cincinnati's got to figure this out. But that's that's a question that's raised, and we'll see what happens. I guess the second question, though, is does it matter? Because the Bengals have had this line all year, and yet Burrow and his team are not only 3-0 in the playoffs, but they had to beat Kansas City. And maybe we're making too big of a deal out of this. I, I've always believed that f football is blocking and tackling, and the rest are details. Uh, and I think Aaron Donald is really motivated to win this game in their home. 
Uh, and I think the team is going to rally around that. It doesn't mean they're going to win, but I think that's the biggest glaring matchup uh, sort of flashpoint about this game that you simply can't ignore. So what's the moral of the story? Can the, you know, question one, can the Bengals protect Burrow? Number two, even if they can't, does it matter? They're still 3-0 in the playoffs, so we'll we'll see. All right, number three, uh, the haters and the selective listeners are, are going to find ways to make me a bad person, and I'm going to go to I'm going to, you know, go to hell on a scholarship because I speak the truth and I saw the games in Detroit. But the look, how many bad throws does Stafford have in him? All right, he's not going to be able to afford to do this in the Super Bowl. And let's face it, Stafford was brought to town, and he's done to this point what he was brought to town to do. They're in the Super Bowl. And everybody tells me he's a clear upgrade in Los Angeles over Jared Goff. So if you just don't believe that, I guess you're just stupid. But man, he's he throws he's made some bad, stupid throws this year. 18 interceptions. He tied for the regular season with 17 interceptions. Case in point Sunday, even in the win, Jaquaski Tart will have nightmares. He dropped a sure interception in the fourth quarter with his team up three points. I think it would have sealed the win. We'll never know. Instead, the ball fell to the turf. Stafford snapped out of it. The question is, does bad Stafford show up next week? Or does good Stafford show up? And I I don't know anybody I've talked to that doesn't think that's the biggest X factor in the game. Uh, I've heard, you know, I heard it on Steve Hartman's show today. His partner said, well, it's going to come down to whether or not Stafford makes mistakes. But Stafford has also made a lot of great throws. And he's also a hell of a competitor. And one of the reasons I think that Sean McVay likes him so much and the reason I liked him in Detroit is because he really bounces back from these things well. He's got a real resiliency about him. Matt Stafford um, is very even-keeled, and he does compete. He's a warrior, and I think his teammates feed on that. Um, He's not good enough to put you on his back, but he is good enough to fit into this team and do his part. Uh, But it is a question, okay? Had had Stafford been flawless? I think it was the only interception he's thrown in the playoffs, but it happened, and it happened at an incredible inopportune time, and the visual and the optic was bad. It's been referred to as an arm punt because it was an arm punt, and it's been a talking point. Now, Stafford may well come out next Sunday, not throw a single interception, and the Rams win, and and they, you know, and they cruise to victory. I don't know. These Super Bowls are a one-game affair, and it's quantum physics. You never know who's really going to rise to the occasion when it matters most. And so we're going to find out. The fourth question, and this involves the Bengals, is C.J. Uzoma okay? There's no question about it. He's a bit of a security blanket. He's he's a tight end. He's a starting tight end for Cincinnati. He is one of Joe Burrow's favorite targets. He was carted off the field early in Sunday's game. And he tweeted out after the game, C.J. Uzoma did that he's focused on getting healthy for the Super Bowl. But if he can't go, replacing uh, replacing his size and his production, it's going to be huge, okay? Uh, their backup did well last week, but it's going to be huge. Um, now, here's another question. Who wins the battle, Joe Burrow or Jalen Ramsey? I, I'm certain that Jalen Ramsey will be plastering Jamar Chase and I think Burrow, in addition to facing the best defensive front he'll have seen this year and the best defense he'll have seen this year, clearly he'll face his toughest secondary test when you've got a cornerback like Jalen Ramsey, and it'll be a battle of wits between these two. 
that is going to be a fun sidebar for this game. How the Rams play Jamar Chase, I would I would guess it's going to be a, a Ramsey assignment. Could dictate the rest of how Cincinnati's offense runs. So the Rams currently four and a half point favorite, and fifty-nine uh, percent of the money's come in on the Rams so far. Fifty percent of the no, check that fifty-nine percent of the tickets, fifty-four percent of the money. We shall see as it gets closer. Real quickly, let's let's just take a quick look back, revisionist how we how we got here. Rewind the you know play back the tape. Because it was such an absurdly good championship weekend. The two big games that were decided in the final minutes with heroism, dropped interceptions, rebounds, uh, big plays. These are two teams that earned their way in. When you're, when you're trailing 10 points by 10 points, uh, you know, to the 49ers and they're a very formidable team, you got your work cut out for you. When you're trailing by almost three touchdowns to Patrick Mahomes in, uh, in Kansas City and an arrowhead, and you come back and win. Look, the truth of the matter is, uh, Cincinnati. I think a lot of casual observers believe they had no business winning the game, and it was twenty-one-three in the second quarter. I gotta believe Chiefs fans will be very much haunted by that botched scoring opportunity in the first half's final seconds. It was a, you can call it a gutsy play. It was stupid. You take the three points. I don't know why Patrick Mahomes didn't throw the ball to the end zone. Yeah, they had to go for a touchdown with five seconds left, and it went completely sour. Tyreek Hill was tackled at the one-yard line as time ran out, all right? Somehow, people aren't talking about that as much. Instead, I think the game's going to be remembered as Joel Burrow's official beatification ascension. He led the Bengals, picked most by most people to finish last in their own division this past year back from 18 points to take a late lead in the fourth quarter and then survive overtime in Arrowhead. Joe Burrow's the first quarterback to be drafted number one to take his team to the Super Bowl in his second season. By the way, it's Cincinnati's first Super Bowl appearance since 89. They led to the final seconds with, I believe, 38 seconds to go. That was Super Bowl 23. Joe Montana drove the team down the field. That's the famous John Candy story. Hit John Taylor on a crossing route. The rest is history. The Bengals also went to the Super Bowl in 82. It was played in the Pontiac Silverdome. And uh, and the, the the Bengals lost that game late as well. Both times. Ne- neither game were, were the Bengals blown out by very formidable Bill Walsh San Francisco teams. So this is an organization that they've gotten to this point. They earned it. You can't count them out. Meanwhile, the 49ers... They win 20-17, to 17, as I've mentioned several times. The, the San Fran led 17-7 at the start of the fourth quarter. They withered away from there. For the Rams, I think the win very much justifies the Stafford-Odell Beckham Jr. acquisitions. Beckham really looked like himself after a rough stint in Cleveland. He caught nine balls for 113 yards Sunday night, and they were impactful. They moved the chains. They kept the Niners' defense on their heels. Uh, Stafford did throw two touchdown passes to Cooper Cup, who would get my vote for MVP, but they don't let me vote. Now, the Niners, uh, this this is unfortunately what's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo's referendum. Not fair. 36-16 and 16 as a starter, 5-2 and two in the playoffs. He's, you know, bolstered all the criticism he's faced, especially his performance, and I'm guessing that the Trey Lance era is going to begin next year, and Jimmy G will be somewhere. The Niners came close. They weren't themselves. The Rams won. End of story. For the second year in a row, 
a Super Bowl participant will play at home for the big game, something that hadn't happened in 54 tries in a row, and now last season it happens in Tampa Bay. This season it happens in Los Angeles. Go figure. Coming up, get your pens and pencils ready. You're about to drink out of a fire hose. The master himself, Steve Fezzik, the only two-time winner of the Hilton Super Contest, did it back-to-back years. We call it the Fezzik Five. I'm Bernie Fratto, coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday and Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, this is Jason McIntyre. Join me every weekday morning on my podcast, Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. This isn't your typical sports pod pushing the same tired narratives down your throat every day. Straight Fire gives you honest opinions on all the biggest sports headlines, accurate stats to help you win big at the sports book, and all the best guests. Do yourself a favor and listen to Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now we're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios at this time every week. We bring him in. We should call him the professor because in addition to dispensing great information, he tells you why and how with deductive reasoning as to the decisions he reaches that he passes along with you. This is a segment we affectionately call the Fezzik Five. The time is now. It's the Fezzik Five. These are the five things you need to hear about. Now, with the only back-to-back Hilton Super Contest winner, Steve Fezzik, here's Bernie Fratto. All right, Fez, here we go. We're down to one game in the National Football League, but if you shop at Caesars, there's over 2,000 ways to bet it. That statement alone gives me a headache. So why don't we start with a little basic strategy about Super Bowl betting, courtesy of the only two-time winner of the Hilton Super Contest, and he did it back-to-back years. That would be Steve Fezzik. Yeah, let's start with what not to do, Bernie, and what not to do. Don't try to bet a little to win a lot. Don't look for long shots, needle in the haystack type bets. That's what the public is always looking for in the Super Bowl, try to predict the exact final score, the exact number of points scored, who's going to score first, who's going to score last, things like that. Um, Exactly how many touchdown passes will a quarterback throw. The house edge on these multi-way props is enormous. Vegas wins every Super Bowl. Why? Because 
bettors make the bad bets on things like all the bets that I mentioned in general, avoid all of them. I like the terminology you use, and have used it before, what you call avoiding the needle in the haystack bets. Talk about the props people should focus on uh, in generalities that give them the best chance to win. You want to bet something that only has two outcomes. So you can bet it to go over or go under. So Beckham passing yards, uh, reception yards, over 63.5 or under 63.5. There's a two-way prop, yes or no. That's the sort of bet that you should be focusing on. Um, so something to happen or not happen, something yes or no. Even some props that sports books get cute and they rob you blind by making it a three-way prop. So be very careful when they do something like, oh, who will win the race to 25? The Rams? The Bengals. That's a perfectly good prop. And if neither team gets to 25, it's a push. But what the dastardly bookies do, Bernie, is sometimes they say Rams, Bengals, or no one. If the final score is 20 to 17, then neither team wins. They can hide a lot more vig when they make it a three-way prop. No, you know, see, that makes so much sense. Just by mere fact of betting a, a, a prop like under or over, like Cam Akers, I think he's currently, what, 64 and a half yards? Yes. Okay, so you increase your odds just by virtue of that bet alone because he's either going to go under or he's going to go over rather than try to thread the needle and, uh, you know, predict which player will score the last touchdown or will the last score be a field goal. You, you get my drift. Talk and, about you know, the some- very worst bet you can make is you can grab a parlay card and fill it out and try to play, hit a five-team parlay. You would have to, you could have tomorrow's newspaper, literally, and not be able to win, uh, possibly, because guess what? Ties lose, number field goals three, interceptions thrown two, fumbles lost one. You see where I'm going, Bernie. Yeah. About a third of these could possibly tie such that if, if you had tomorrow's newspaper and you filled out every selection, you'd still lose because two of them would tie. <laughs> Talking with Steve Fezzik, the Fezzik 5. Fez, the only two-time winner of the Hilton Super Contest, did it back-to-back. Talking about the 2,000 ways you can bet the Super Bowl if you shop at Caesars. And uh, some do's and don'ts. Fez, talk Give people a peek behind the curtain as to the methods the pros use so they can maximize their investments. Sure. So pros look to bet weak opening numbers. Mistakes, if you will. And and a classic example, one that has gotten publicized pretty good, is in the Super Bowl, they use a football for the opening kickoff only that is not uh, worn in, that's not worked in, so it's harder to kick the ball. So historically, the first kickoff has not been as far as other kickoffs. So you can bet, will the first kickoff be a touchback or will it be returned? And it turns out first kickoffs get returned more since they started doing this, Bernie. You could have gotten plus 170 on that. Now you can only get plus 130, so you can see the importance of getting at props like that before they move and get and get based upon later information that becomes available. Nah, good stuff. Uh, the markets have gotten sharper. When you say weak opening lines, weak is spelled W-E-A-K, right? You're talking about find those. You know, one of the big popular props over the years, Fez, was will there be a final score or check that. Will there be a score in the final two minutes of the first half and up to about three years ago, there was real value. Do you know offhand what that number is now? It's probably like minus 400 in that that neighborhood. I think it's like minus 280 and you're absolutely right. It used to be like minus 200 and the pros would bet it every year and about, I think about 
10 years ago. It just got priced into oblivion. You know, another one that the pros used to bet, will there be three consecutive scores? Right. And it sounds difficult. Happens all the time. Not. You know what? Go flip a coin nine times, and it's pretty darn hard to avoid three heads or three tails in a row. So um, the yes minus 180 is a strong favorite. It used to be you could blame like clockwork, the squares would come in and say, oh, I could see this being a close competitive game. Well, guess what? That's what exactly what we saw in the Rams-Tennessee game, where not just one team, but both teams in a low-scoring game scored three consecutive times in that 16-16 classic that Kurt Warner wound up winning 23-16. Says, talk about March Madness, which is around the corner, because a lot of times folks live in the moment and they are a prisoner of the moment and perhaps they endanger their bankroll during the Super Bowl because it's so much fun and there might be alcohol involved but the reality of it is March Madness is right around the corner talk about your philosophy on how it's easier to bet March Madness when it comes to Vegas and I'm not this isn't so much a betting as much as an experience of uh, an immersion Bernie the Super Bowl in Vegas is overrated and March Madness the first Four days, specifically the first two days, is underrated. And here's why. In the Super Bowl, we only have three hours of action. So you've got all this dead time before the Super Bowl. Yeah, you're shopping for props, and it's cool to be looking through the listings. But even think about it. So the, the, the day of the game, you're... Um, you don't have the game occur until 3 o'clock, and you can bet some cross-sport props and be watching some other games, but it's crowded. The weather isn't very good in Vegas. It'll probably be in the 50s. It's not like you can you know, go ahead and plan a golf excursion and really enjoy it or go to the swimming pool during that, that time. And it's super crowded. It's super expensive. Everyone's trying to eat on that Saturday night and dogpiling in for the weekend. Much better. Come out for March Madness where you got four days. It's not as frantic. The weather is so much better. I've known no one who didn't really enjoy their time during the, especially the Thursday and Friday during March Madness in Vegas. A whole lot of people have a bad experience because it's just um, such a buildup for one game and so crowded in Vegas. I wouldn't come for the Super Bowl. If you have your choice, come for March Madness. Absolutely. I, I second that motion, and of course I live here. But all right, Fez, before I let you run, I want you to grade one prop. I'm leaning toward the over of three and a half field goals, partly due to the obvious range of Evan McPherson. The game is being played indoors, and I don't think early on, at least for a half, either team is likely to take a big enough lead that would prevent either team from taking the points on field goals. Do you like that prop over three and a half field goals? certainly makes sense the because you do have two good kickers. I don't know, but there's some talk that Gay is not completely at 100%. I'll say this, Bernie. I think um, we could really dissect the kickers, and maybe we'll do this next week. I think the Bengals should be a strong favorite to have longest field goal. The Rams favorite to have shortest field goal. But I could certainly see four, guilt, four field goals. The only problem with that is that there's a lot of luck involved. Namely, you get those fourth and twos in the red zone, and do the coaches go for it, or do they wind up kicking, winding up, deciding that prop, and oftentimes that's just a crapshoot. Which is also another prop. Will there be a converted fourth down? I think it's currently minus 400. Good stuff as always, Fez. We'll look forward to having you on next week as our usual Super Bowl preview show, and you'll have plenty of props to uh, weigh in on. Thanks, Fez. 
Thank you so much. And what an evolution to that fourth down prop. That used to be like minus 200, Bernie, but coaches go for it so much more. Good night now. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Fez. Good stuff as always. You'll catch him next week. That's the Fezzik Five. Each year on Super Bowl Eve, we have uh, we go very deep in, in in props. I know Fez. I've known Fez for about 11 years. We're good friends, and I would just say this: I will guarantee. Last year, I put the over under on his prop bets total at about 64, and it went over. This year, I'm probably going to put it at about 70. We'll we'll ask him to reveal that next week when he comes on. Coming up, I want to uh, stick up for Jimbo Fisher. Because this Texas A&M name image likeness program called Amplify is quite a sight to behold. And it's one hell of a collaborative effort. And uh, I want to share with you uh, some of the details. But first, you know, we have a motto on this show. Man's mind stretched to a new dimension, never returns its, to its original state. And that's because we have updates with the legendary Brian Finley. <laughs> Thank you, Bernie. If only I could live up to that hype. And let's get things rolling first in the NBA, where we look back at what happened on Saturday. And LeBron James coming off that knee injury. You know, he had missed the last five contests. Well, no rust, clearly. Had a triple-double to propel the Lakers over the Knicks, 122-115 in overtime. And after the game, James spoke to the media about the thrills of being back in the game. You know, I kind of, you know, the knee loosened up a lot. Uh, my mind loosened up a lot more. And I was able just to play basketball. But just decided to be back in the uniform, back on the floor with my guys. Missed them. You know, I missed the game. And, um, you know, happy I was able to make a few plays to help us win the ball game. Uh, Bobby Portis loosening up his mind going for 30 points in a Bucks win over the Trailblazers 137 to 108. The Suns all over the Wizards 95 to 80 as the Wiz had just 11 points in the second quarter and DeAndre Ayton got his with 20 points and 16 rebounds. The Heat face or they take down I should say the Hornets 104 to 86 and Miami outscored Charlotte 35 to 8 in that third quarter. John Morant, majestic play for him, 33 points as he piggybacks the Grizzlies over the Magic, 135-115 in Orlando. As far as what took place in college basketball, a couple notable finishes in games that ended later on in the evening. Number three, UCLA goes down on the road to Arizona State in triple overtime, 87 to 84. Number two, Gonzaga has no problems with BYU. Steamrolling the Cougars, 90 to 57. Number nine, Duke wins their rivalry game in emphatic fashion against North Carolina, 87 to 67. AJ Griffin scoring a career high 27 points. Coach Krzyzewski, of course, coaching in his last season with Duke, and this is his last game at North Carolina, and certainly not drawing the the well wishes of the Carolina fans. Number five, Kentucky takes care of Alabama 66 to 55. Bama shot just 10% from three-point range. And we finish things off on the PGA Tour. AT&T, Pebble Beach Pro-Am, a three-way tie going into Sunday's final round. Tom Hoagie, Bo Hostler, and Andrew Putnam all at 15-under. But don't forget about Jordan Spieth. He is at 14-under, shot a 9-under 63 on Saturday, including Bernie. There was a shot that has gone viral where he in Spieth was right on the hazard, and he was probably about two feet away the ball, and he lined up for the shot where there was a 60-foot drop-off in a cliff 
and he decides to hit this ball. His caddy tried to convince him three different times, replace the ball, take the penalty. I don't want you to hurt yourself. He says, no, I'm going to hit it. And he does, and he ends up parring the hole and doesn't go down the cliff. Thank goodness. With that, let's get it back to Bernie Fratto. Reminiscent of Tin Cup, if yes. you saw that movie, right? Tin Cup, yeah, absolutely. All right, thanks, Brian. All right, uh, I, I I enjoy Jimbo Fisher. I think he's a, a real breath of fresh air, and he's also a hell of a coach. Uh, and he did a good job at Florida State. He's done a good job wherever he's been. He beat Alabama this year. Texas A&M is going to be very fun to watch next year. And for, for whatever reason, um, y- you know, people have to come out of the woodwork and, and hate on them. And I, I, don't, I don't have any dog in the fight here. I don't have any skin in the game. I don't have any cute analogies. I would just say this, that I've taken a look and studied the Texas A&M name image likeness program, which they call Amplify. And all I can do is tip my cap because it's more than just a money grab. And as a result, Texas A&M just landed the best recruiting class in the history of college football. When you add up all their five-star recruits, their four-star recruits, their three-star recruits, the number one linebacker, the number one defensive lineman, the number two wide receiver, I think it adds up to like 29 cumulative five, four, and three-star recruits, the number one recruiting class. That doesn't just happen by accident. It started with a collaborative effort with the boosters and benefactors, and they coordinated what I would con- what I would certainly characterize as a very expensive proposition. And as a result, they were able to corral and spend about thirty million. Uh, and this was a very targeted, coordinated effort among all their donors in order to create this NIL opportunity for their incoming recruits. Now. It's not just a money grab because they have put together, Texas A&M has put together a very comprehensive program, which I'm quite sure is going to be copied. They call it Amplify, and the idea is to serve their athletes, serve their student athletes with best-in-class education and, quote, resources related to personal branding, networking, finance, media training, and, you know, that's just a few of the things. And they've actually got specific programs and specific topics that they have geared up to dispense amongst their recruits and their players and and the you know the athletes including how to build your own digital brand they're putting together financial workshops they're giving classes on effective networking how to evaluate job opportunities and negotiate offers what a concept You know, you go to college, you get an education. My degree happens to be in communications, public relations, and journalism. And uh, I think I apply my my degree. But college doesn't really teach you how to make money, how to get a job, uh, how to network, uh, how to have a good marriage. They They don't teach you any of those things. But this is sort of taking this to a different level, evaluating job opportunities and negotiating offers. Mock job interviews. Preparing you, if you consider the fact that College, the ideological purpose behind college is to prepare you to go forward in life, to have a productive life, and and navigate through the peccadillos of life. Do they really do that? I don't know. But this program looks like it's going a long way in doing that, as well as establishing university pride so uh, these athletes understand the Aggie network, the network of alums, 
and their Letterman's Association. Uh, they also are, are teaching their athletes how to uh, propagate a social media audit and analysis, uh, best practices, creating custom content for your brand, building your digital brand, how to manage your finances. This is a comprehensive program. This is part of what you would consider a holistic education in life and business while you are an athlete at Texas A&M. Along the way, people brand themselves. They're going to teach these people how to personally brand themselves, how to take that brand and network it, how to manage their money through finance and become more media savvy. I mean, uh, the Global Village is here. Marshall McLuhan talked about it 100 years ago. Yeah, my goodness, just between social media and 24-7 news. and When you add it all up, while Texas A&M has been, I don't know if the word ridiculed is the accurate characterization, but for, Jim, for uh, Jimbo Fisher to have to defend himself in the way he did so vehemently, that leads you to believe uh, that they've come under fire, and it leads you to believe that they have been what I would consider to be, oh, the blunt of untoward comments. But Fisher fired back, and now you know why. They got a hell of a thing going there at Texas A&M, and like I said, I expect it to be copied. Coming up, we're going to bring you back out to Vegas. You know them, you love them, you can't live without them. Mackenzie Rivers with Mackinac Sports. There's never any shortage of things to talk about in this city that never sleeps. Sorry to steal that from New York. 24-7 Las Vegas. Hey, the NBA season is... They will be next up front and center after the Super Bowl. So why not catch everybody up and take a quick look at some of the major NBA props, awards, things you can bet on. Because, hey, football will be over, but that doesn't mean you're going to stop betting. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Stick and stay. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, we're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. If you're scoring at home, 11 hours and 12 minutes till the Pro Bowl kicks off here in Las Vegas, AFC minus one and a half. And we are now, what, 170 hours uh, approximately from the kickoff of Super Bowl 56. But until then, plenty more to talk about. Let's bring you back out to Las Vegas. You know him, you love him, you can't leave without him. Mackinac Sports, McKenzie Rivers. McKenzie, uh, the National Basketball Association, they're playing too. I mean, you can bet on that too, right? That's right. Contrary to popular opinion, the National Basketball Association 
you might not know this, Bernie, has actually been taking place for several months now. Hmm. They actually have um, been playing games and all that, not just preseason. You wouldn't have known it because it is football season. We are in America, and we have been celebrating and you know doing a lot of fun stuff with the NFL. You know, you might have heard on this here program, I'm 33 and 14 on NFL props, but. Mm-hmm. You came and invited me on this show one February, a couple years ago, to talk about my first love, my passion, the National Basketball Association. So I wanted to reset it for everybody, because here's what's been going on. On July 21st, Westgate was the first one. They stuck their necks out, and they said, this is the NBA title favorites, and the Brooklyn Nets are 3-1. to one. Well, flash forward Five months later, and not much has changed as far as the title favorites list. The Nets are still three to one. The Warriors have been a surprise team. They were twelve to one. Now they're five to one. The Suns have been creeping up. Their third favorite. The only team in the top ten that's really taken a fall back is the L.A. Lakers. Got a big one win today, but they were second favorites. Now they're only twenty to one, sixth favorite in the league. But they got all their guys back, so we'll see how it goes. In the MVP race, Joel Embiid has taken the lead, but what I love about it is there's no one with even a 25% chance. You got Embiid the favorite, Jokic at 3 to 1, Giannis at 4 to 1, Steph Curry at 4 to 1. What's interesting is the top 3 are all big men. We're talking about how this league is a pace and space league, a lot smaller than it used to be. Well, there's an expression I like to use, the last dinosaurs ate well. There's nobody in the paint to guard these guys right now. Embiid, Jokic, Giannis, night after night are just cleaning it up. But let me give you my best bet. Here in the Defensive Player of the Year awards, we have Rudy Gobert, the favorite, at plus 160. Draymond Green, the second favorite, at plus 160. The thing about that award you got to know is neither of those guys have played in the last three weeks and neither are expected to play anytime soon. So you have these two defensive stalwarts almost at the exact same time getting kicked to the curve. That creates a lot of opportunity. Some of my friends here in Vegas have taken more opportunity than, than is available now. Jaron Jackson Jr., two weeks ago, the Memphis Grizzlies forward was 150 to 1 to win this award. Well, the Grizzlies have been an upstart team. They're top four in the West. John Morant is actually favored at minus 400 to win most improved player. But I think they got to win more awards than that. They're beating expectations by that much. They're star forward, third-year players averaging two blocks a game. Jaron Jackson Jr. is 8-1 to one to win Defensive Player of the Year. I think the award voters are going to wake up and say, hey, Gobert and Green, the favorites haven't played in a month. They yeah. can't win the award, and when that happens, they're going to look down the list. Jaron Jackson Jr. is 8-1. to one. Yeah, all right, two weeks ago, you could have got him 150-1, to one, but you can still cash this ticket when it comes in at Jaron Jackson Jr. Best bet, 8-1, to one, Defensive Player of the Year. Well, a lot of value there, but I'll tell you why my vote would go to Rudy Gobert. Utah... They're not even the Jazz without him. They're 2-11 and without Gobert in the lineup, and they've gone from a solid under team to a solid over team. It's dramatic what that team looks like without Gobert in the lineup, McKenzie. I think you're exactly right. If this is about who's the biggest defensive ma- difference maker, it's Rudy Gobert. Here are some numbers for you. Last year, 9.9 points better on defense. The Jazz were 97th percentile. This year, he one-dupped it. The Jazz, when he's on the court, are 12.5 points better just on the defensive end than when he's off the court. 
So he's still a good value at plus 160. He's just got to get back on the court. That's the only thing that's keeping him from winning his third Defensive Player of the Year award. If Rudy Gobert gets a text, say, hey, doctor says you're cleared, you're back on the court tomorrow, I would slam plus 160. If he plays, if he's in, if he's in the lineup the next week, he's the guy. It's just, will he be there? That's the only question. Mackenzie, you just got about 10 seconds. Gun to your head. you like any, any plays on the NBA card tomorrow? Have you fired on any? Yes, the Celtics have been the best team in the league very sneakily since January. They're going to be a road 1st. favorite tomorrow, right? Do you, yep. do you have a number there? I'm going to lay the eight points with the Celtics tomorrow. That's another little bonus best bet facing the Magic. Good stuff, McKenzie. All right, we'll have you back in an hour, 33 and 14 on props this year. McKenzie will have an early look at a couple Super Bowl props you can fire on as it's, hey, it's only 170 hours away now, Super Bowl 56. <laughs> Coming up. The Brian Flores lawsuit, a quick primer, and my thoughts from a journalistic standpoint. Keep it locked right here on Fox Sports Radio. The Fox Sports Sunday train rolls right on. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. We'll take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. Yeah, we're only, what, 11 hours now from the Pro Bowl here in Las Vegas. More importantly, we're... I believe about 169 hours and 20 minutes from Super Bowl 56, which we've touched on earlier in the show, and we'll get back to a little bit later. But the biggest story this week in the NFL, and it wasn't close, was the Brian Flores lawsuit. And uh, I want to uh, set the stage for this. I'm not going to argue this in moot court. Uh, I'm not going to take sides. Uh, I don't have enough detail. I have opinions and have observations, one of which is, I will tell you, Brian Flores could coach my team. He took over the 0-8 Miami Dolphins in 2019 and turned them into a winner. Back-to-back winning seasons in 20 years. Uh, Check that. Back-to-back seasons by the Dolphins. The first time they've done that in 20 years. And Brian Flores can coach. He got results. He's a productive coach with an established pedigree. Did well in New England, did well in Miami. Something happened, difference of opinion. Maybe he didn't get along with his uh, boss, who also happened to be black. But I don't know, man. I, I, I Let me tell you something. Coaches don't grow on trees, and I covered some pretty damn good Pistons teams. And, you know, Chuck Daly didn't exactly get along with Jack McCloskey, but they worked through it. And the key is the, the collaborative effort. I, I get it that Flores didn't particularly care for Tua, and it's tough to do. This isn't the first time. I, As you know, I did the Lions pre- and post-game show 10 years, and I was there Thanksgiving of 2005 when Steve Mariucci was fired by Matt Millen. They didn't get along. They couldn't agree on a quarterback. Steve Mariucci wanted Jeff Garcia. Matt Millen wanted Joey Harrington, but I digress. This isn't the first time these things have happened, but coaches don't grow on trees. Back-to-back winning seasons in Miami hadn't been done in 20 years. I believe Brian Flores got results, and he's a productive coach with an established pedigree because he establishes culture. And I want that out of my coach more than anything. You can be an offensive guru. You can be uh, an offensive genius. You can be a clever play caller. I have serious doubts whether Josh McDaniels is going to work here in in Las Vegas, but prove me wrong. But back to Brian Flores. Uh, Let's look at a couple of things here uh, that jumped at me. Uh, And I would say this. You know what? Houston Texans, you're on the clock. 
You need to build a culture from the ground up. Brian Flores is sitting there. Why don't you maybe do something revolutionary? The NFL, uh, you know, has to deal with this lawsuit. Maybe just give the man a job because he's proven he can coach. I'm dead serious. He could, he would coach my team. And there's a couple of questions I have before we even dive into this, this, the, you know, the lawsuit itself and some of the statements and claims that have been made public by by Brian Flores. First of all, it's been publicized and overpublicized. There's currently one black head coach in the National Football League. But let's contextualize that. In 2011, there were 10 black head coaches. What happened? Why isn't this being investigated? Why isn't this being, why isn't some intrepid journalist gotten around this and said, what is the reason, what is the evolution behind the regression where at one time there were 10 black head coaches and now there's one? Why is that? There are seven NFL franchises, and I'm not going to name them. You can Google them yourself, figure it out, that have never hired a a black head coach. Why is that? All I want to know is why. What are the factors you considered in determining, since Art Shell was hired 30 years ago, that not once in your history uh, a black coach would have come upon the scene that could have helped you win football games? Just want to know why. So why have we gone from 10 coaches to one, and why have seven franchises never hired a coach? Now, the Rooney Rule was instituted, I believe, in 2003. We're going to get to that in a second. Even a couple of years after the Rooney Rule, in uh, 2005, 2006, there were six black head coaches. Now there's one. Um, <clears throat> then there are the allegations of being paid to tank games. I don't really want to touch that. I don't know what the hell happened there. Uh, I will say this, though. That perhaps is is part of is part of uh, Brian Flores's modus operandi. Perhaps he's positioning himself as a whistle positioning himself as a whistleblower. Um, and if no one offers him a job, then perhaps he can claim retaliation from the NFL for being a whistleblower. All right, I'm just grabbing the straws there. There's one thing I do want to weigh in on, though, that's that I think is important, and that is the term sham interview. Um, this is the one aspect of Brian Flores' dialogue. Uh, and again, again, he could coach my team. I'm not, I, I like the guy. I like the cut of his jib. I was an athlete. I, I like this guy. I like the fire and brimstone he brings, and he's produced results, okay? But I don't like this sham interview conversation. I'm going to tell you why. I have participated in sham interviews. I've been sent, you know, in the corporate world many years ago, a headhunter uh, sent me in an interview once, and uh, I knew I wasn't getting the job. I was living in Orange County. was down in Newport Beach and had a very pleasant conversation with the gentleman interviewing me, and I could sense I called the guy back and I said, you know, I got this. I, my my perception was is this gentleman already made up his mind. He's got his candidate. He goes, yeah, he did. And I, But I didn't take umbrage in being sent there because it was an opportunity for me to peddle my wares, to Im- impress somebody, as it were, and put myself in front of an individual because you don't know what they know or who they know. And it's an opportunity for you to put yourself out there in the universe. And you don't know where they might be working next year. And you don't know uh, how you can leverage that opportunity. So I, you, you, if you, you call it a sham interview – 
If you don't take it serious, you can't make it a sham. All you can do is put your best foot forward. And I will tell you, that's how Mike Tomlin got his job. That's my, it's my understanding that Pittsburgh had someone else in mind. Mike Tomlin blew away the Pittsburgh Steelers so incredibly well, they hired him. And, and even here in Las Vegas, when the Raiders were hiring uh, their their uh, general manager, Dave Ziegler, or interviewing, their, he was their first choice. But along the way, they interviewed all the other candidates. One of them was a gentleman by the name of Champ Kelly, who I believe came from the Patriots organization. Maybe someone can correct me on that. Uh, an African-American gentleman. And he blew the Raiders away. Now, they already were going to hire their GM, but Champ Kelly did so well, they created a position. I think it's uh, some sort of assistant GM or something along those lines. He found himself a nice opportunity here with the Raiders as a result of how well he interviewed. So I would say that if you go on an interview anywhere, it allows you a chance to peddle your wares, to network, to leave a good impression. You never know who they know or where they might be working next year. And yes, it's happened to me. And I bet you, you're listening to this show, it's happened to you. You've been on interviews where you are certain they've made up their mind or you wasted your time. But you know what? In this day and age, you get their phone number, you get their email address, you stay on their radar screen. You just never know. You play the big game, the long game. Now, I understand John Elway's fired back. He says, no, I, you know, that's an affront to my sensibilities and my reputation. Uh, it, it, again, I don't have any inside information on this. I would say this, that John Elway was pretty upset. He said, wait a minute, we flew in on a red eye to accommodate Brian Flores' schedule, and it was in Providence, Rhode Island. In order to do that, we had to take a red eye. Flores interpreted that as... They looked hungover. They didn't take me serious. Now, that's a you don't know that, all right? I would just say that the long and the short of it is Brian Flores has proven he can coach. Brian Flores deserves to be an NFL head coach. What other proof of performance do you need? No one wins in Miami, unless your name is Don Shulich. Hell, Jimmy Johnson didn't even win a Super Bowl down there. They're so far away from having the kind of success they need to have. I, I will tell you, I've been in volatile situations, but if you get two people in the room that are on the same page and they, you've got a guy that can produce results like Flores proved he could do, I'm not so quick to let him out the door because I've always said to myself, if I don't want this guy on my team, do I want to have to compete against him? So here we are. Brian Flores' lawsuit marks the first time that any former NFL head coach has challenged what you would call the Rooney rule, which has to do with, you know, the efficacy of the NFL's diverse hiring practices. And, and, and this is going to be challenged in the court system. I, I don't know what's going to happen. If it'll go to arbitration, it'll be settled. I don't know. I'm not going to argue this in moot court. As I said earlier with Aaron and, and Jason, I know this about lawsuits. They're time-consuming and they're costly. And you do it to mitigate loss. So I'm not really sure what Brian Flores really wants out of this because I don't know. I haven't talked to him. The truth of the matter is he... The Rooney Rule was enacted in 2003 in, in response to the outcry over the firing of uh, and, and eventually the really the paltry number of black NFL coaches. And it initially required NFL teams to interview at least one diverse candidate for every head coaching position. The rule has since been expanded to require teams to interview at least two diverse candidates for head coaching positions with one interview having to be in person. Now, the teams must abide by this rule 
uh, for other critical hirings, too, including the positions of general manager, assistant head coach, and both coordinator positions. I bet you didn't know that, did you? The question is, is the letter of the law and the spirit of the rule really accomplishing what it is supposed to do? And it doesn't look like it is. It looks like it's become winning, you know, uh, you know, window dressing. And it looks like it's become sort of a, a, a front, as it were, right? And th- the truth of the matter is, though, the NFL is this big behemoth machine. And Brian Flores is going to face the same hurdles that typical plaintiffs and any employment d- discrimination is, is going to face, all right? He's going to be required to provide evidence of the disparate treatment that he's alleging that he received with respect to the terms and conditions of employment in the NFL. For example, coaches, teams, records are public information, but team records alone are not always decisive when you make personnel decisions. And you've got issues regarding past employment discipline, team workplace culture, and many other factors that are not always publicly available that can influence personnel decisions. And oftentimes, employees are very disadvantaged with respect to having the same level of knowledge or information that employers possess on personnel decisions due to employee confidentiality practices. What that basically means is we haven't heard the NFL side of the story yet. I hope this just doesn't devolve into this as a just big sinister plot to exclude people because of the color of their skin. I covered the Lions for 10 years. I know the immense pressure to win. If you're stupid enough and nefarious enough to deny someone an opportunity because of the color of their skin, there's a special place in hell for you because you are letting down an entire organization. And there have been plenty of black head coaches that have had success in the NFL. And I believe Brian Flores is one of them. Now, I'm concerned that he's going to be perceived as a, as a troublemaker, But the truth of the matter is, where there's smoke, there's often fire. And the Rooney Rule was implemented by the NFL in response to potential litigation that was mentioned by Johnny Cochran back in 2002. So if teams continue to be disingenuous or they implement the rule specifically designed just to avoid litigation, then the evidence is what you call prima facie on the face of it. If there's only one black coach now and there were 10, 11 years ago, how the hell does that happen? Somebody please explain to me how that happens, how seven franchises, organizations in the NFL have never hired a a black coach ever, right? So if they're just interviewing to avoid litigation, the evidence may very well show that Flores could succeed on the merits of his case. Even if Flores is unsuccessful in meeting what you would call evidentiary burdens, I think he will have succeeded in drawing attention to the NFL's sort of homogeneous hiring practices. What that basically means is teams do things more the same than different. And this has gone on for two decades after the Rooney Rules implementation. Now, it just seems on the face of it highly improbable to me when you've got a league who has 73% black players and they're not capable of producing more than one qualified head coach in 2022. Coming up, I want to bring in the crew, Chris and Bo and Brian. I want to get their thoughts on this whole saga. Maybe they've got some uh, information that I don't have on the Flores lawsuit, or maybe they can just give me their opinion from an educated standpoint as a fan or as someone who is observing this, that we are all in workplaces across America, and what we want is fair and equitable opportunity 
for everybody. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Keep it locked right here. Don't go away. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. We're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. We're talking about the Brian Flores lawsuit against the National Football League several days ago. The league came out and said it's without merit. And then 24 hours ago, Roger Goodell did a bit of an about-face, <clears throat> said we understand the concerns, to which Flores' legal team said, yeah, that's just public relations posturing. Let's go to the crew. Brian Finley, what are your quick thoughts on the Brian Flores lawsuit? Yeah, I, I wanted to touch on something, Bernie, as far as the, the stat that you pointed out 10 years ago, there were 10 black head coaches in the NFL, only one. And I, I'm wondering, Bernie, in your thoughts on this as well, how much you think this is tied to like a Sean McVay syndrome here, where the owners are looking at Sean and they've seen the success, and, and he's sort of like that Instagram model. And if you look at every owner and consider them, let's say, a married man or a woman, and they look at the Instagram model and they say, oh, my world would be rocked if we had this model in my life. Oh, everything would be amazing. But Sean McVay doesn't come in a Ken Barbie doll. There's only one of him. And I think too many times that's this utopian look at things has dissuaded others from really looking at what's better for you and what's not a fantasy world in that there's only one in Sean McVay. And I, I just think it goes back yeah. to that, Bernie. Do you well, see that? It's, well, here's the deal. It's there's a lot to unpack there. So real quickly, uh, first of all, we know it's a copycat league, and it's an offensively-minded league now. And Sean McVay, above and beyond all, brings an offensive mind that's par excellence. But doesn't Eric Bieniemy and Byron Leffords do much the same? Now, I don't know who interviews. I, I got you, You've still got an interview, and I don't know how well Eric Bieniemy interviews. And you might not like hearing that, but I don't know. I'm, when I asked a question, why do we go from 10 to 1, I don't think there's any simplistic answer. But to your point, Brian, it is a copycat league, and I would say that the Matt LaFleurs and the Sean McVeighs and the Zach Taylors now, and now you're getting to Brian Dables and such, all of a sudden people say, hey, we got a young hotshot quarterback, maybe Brian Dable. After watching what he did with uh, with uh, uh, Josh Allen, he can do the same with Daniel Jones. So I think it's a good point, Brian. They see that, and it's a copycat league. Uh, Chris Perfett, your thoughts, Bernie? I it's it's a difficult subject to unpack be, uh, unpack if mostly because it, it the way the way racism works in a lot of these things. It's not the predominant factor, but it factors into a lot of things subconsciously. I think the one thing, though, we do need to keep in mind, and I've heard from a lot of uh, you know professionals who have been 
working with uh, team organizations in the past is that we need to get out of our mind this idea that owners, their primary modus is to win. Uh, for a lot of cases, that's just not true for a lot of, and again, this is coming from guys who've worked in the sports business industry, especially when you're talking with older owners, a lot of things in their mind is about how well they can market the team. They're, they're concerned more about player control. They're concerned more about control over the coaches, control over their personnel, the ability to market teams as being young. So when it comes out that Brian, that, you know, Stephen Ross basically was, you know, being accused of trying to pay off 10 games. I mean, I'll, I'll give that, I'll give that some thought because it sounds like it, it, it's in line with all we know about owners. They want to have, they want to have teams that they can market as young. They want to have high draft picks because stuff like the process sells very well. It's it, it it factors into it. So I don't think that winning's usually in their mind. And for a lot of them too, it's also they want to hire guys that you know just whether they like it or not, they want to f- find guys who look like them. All right, interesting. Uh, I know that's prevalent in baseball. To your your, your subtext. A lot of baseball owners, as long as there are fans in seats and they're making money and they're relevant in September, winning is not that big a deal. I will say this, though. I think the National Football League is a little different. And where it's, I, I think Stephen Ross is an outlier. I will say this, uh, that if you're hired as a, G, <clears throat> as a GM or head coach, you got to win or you're not, you're not going to last long. I mean, what, Arizona fired their coach after one year, two years ago and you know Jerry Jones probably would have fired Mike McCarthy but McCarthy doesn't argue back and the other thing too is is that Jones doesn't like to pay coaches uh if they're not on the sideline but to your point uh there is this is there is no simplistic answer to this because you're dealing with human beings and I don't care how sophisticated a human being is for the most part ultimately they're going to make most of their decisions with emotion and justify it later with logic. And they are going to hire people a lot of times who they are comfortable with, who they know, who they have experience with, or familiarity with. And if that person doesn't look like you, well, are you going to allow that to enter your emotion? I, I'm not hardwired that way. And I've been in a hiring position many years in my life. I want the best. I want to win. I want to win. And I can spot somebody that wants to win, and it's not just verbal. It's, uh, you know, what are they willing to do to do it? And you judge people by their actions, not by what they say. But everything I see about Brian Flores leads me to believe this dude is a winner. And and I'm concerned now that he's going to brand himself as a troublemaker. But um, Houston Texans, if you're listening, there's your coach. I don't know what the hell you're waiting for. He's sitting right there. He's, he took a terrible Miami Dolphins team. They lost their first eight games by a million points, and all of a sudden they're like 15-9 and nine in their next 24. They missed the playoffs by one game both years, and he didn't have the quarterback he wanted. Bo Benson, what, this is a complex conversation. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I think what he's saying about like the hiring process is stuff that we all already knew. Um, he's kind of just pointing it out. I'm more interested in finding out um, about Steven Ross and if he actually did offer 100K per loss to uh, Flores because that really just blows everything out of the water and probably if you see the first uh, forced sale of ownership. And I've never really been mm. too comfortable with the uh, explosion of legalized sports gambling um, in relation to how we consume sports. So that would also be another... Uh, moment where we kind of have to stop and reflect on what we're doing here 
All right, guys, let's let's uh, continue to follow this story. I think it will be an ongoing story, and the National Football League uh, has a way of keeping in the news better than any other sport. Because after the Super Bowl's over, we'll be looking ahead toward the draft and the combine, the underwear Olympics, and then OTAs. And the next thing you know, it'll be the 2022 season. All right. Coming up, just a quick update of what happened or didn't happen this last week in Major League Baseball. This is a story I'm going to really cover heavily uh, over the next few weeks because spring training is not going to start on time. And also, with the Super Bowl literally right around the corner, what five questions came out of uh, NFC and AFC Championship weekend that we can revisit? But first, let's go to the man whose powers of observation are beyond reproach as he reminds us that Don King is living proof of what happens when you mix Rogaine and Viagra. <laughs> Brian Finley with the latest. <laughs> Thank you, Bernie. And, of course, we've got the Pro Bowl later on today at 3 Eastern. I know we are going to be watching that, though, or maybe some of us won't. But as it goes, we still have one week until the Super Bowl. And until then, a lot of NBA discussion, including a ton of games from last night where the Bucks weather the Trailblazers 137-108. to 108. Giannis Kumpo drumming up 29 points and is teammate and Bobby Portis, Portis added 30. LeBron James coming back from that knee injury which sidelined him for five games. He had a triple-double and guided the Lakers over the Knicks 122-115 in overtime at Crypto.com Arena. That is going to be hard to lose the habit of wanting to call it Staples. The Suns have the best record in the NBA 42-10 and after they get the job done against the Wizards 95-80. to The Wiz had just 11 points in the second quarter. The Heat got 27 points from Jimmy Butler as they overwhelmed the Hornets 104-86. to Ja Moran continues his dazzling ways as he put up 33 points for the Grizzlies as they shunned the Magic 135-115. to Some notable college basketball games from Saturday. Some upsets to get to, including number three UCLA losing a second game in this week. They fell to Arizona on Thursday and then on Saturday went on the road and dropped one at Arizona State in triple overtime, mind you. 87-84 to and the Bruins were really struggling from beyond the arc. 5 of 22 from three-point territory. Number two, Gonzaga ensured that they would not face any upset as they demoralized BYU 90-57. to Number nine, Duke put North Carolina in its place in the rivalry, 87-67, to the final score there. A win for number five, Kentucky over Alabama, 66-55, and wins for number 11, Wisconsin. And then there was number seven, Arizona, finishing off USC, the number 19 team in the country, seven to 63 and finally Bernie PGA Tour continues on at Pebble Beach and we've got the final round of the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am which is happening later today and there's a three-way tie a log jam atop the leaderboard all at 15 under Tom Hoagie Bo Hostler, and Andrew Putnam but I say don't forget about Jordan Spieth he is one shot behind he has done a lot of winning and what a Saturday round he had of a 63-9 under so we'll see if he continues to play like he did on Sunday. And if he does, he'll have that one 
in the bag. With that, let's get it back to our man in Las Vegas, Bernie Fratto. Damn, you're telling me Shooter McGavin didn't make the cut? <laughs> One of the best movies of all time. I read the book, too. Did you? <laughs> Good night, folks. You've been a great audience. I'm opening up for Shecky Green and the Catskills uh, next uh, Tuesday. All right, so we've got a very interesting Super Bowl coming up because uh, <clears throat> Cincinnati and Los Angeles, when you look at how those two teams got there, the way they were constructed, the way they had to uh, really rally last Sunday to end up in the Super Bowl, let's rewind the tape quickly because I'm telling you there are a lot of folks that felt Cincinnati had no business winning the game when they were down 21-3 to in the second quarter. I will tell you Chiefs fans are going to be haunted by that Bad decision, that botched scoring opportunity in the first half. In the final seconds, we're winding down. You can call it a gutsy play. I call it a stupid play. And in retrospect, this is not revisionist history. I would The minute they were doing it, what are you doing? Take the points. You're getting the ball to start the second half. It amazes me how at the end of football games in every level, uh, a oddball, an oddball or impactful play they do that goes against you or for you right before the half can change the dynamic of the second half. Happened happened when I was in high school. So Chiefs win, check that Bengals win. And I I think that, you know, after people watch Tyreek Hill get tackled at the one yard line as time ran out in the first half, you didn't look at the game the same. You just didn't. It it stuck in the back of your mind. But the truth of the matter is the game I still think will be more remembered by the official ascension and beatification in the sainthood of Joe Burrow because he led the Bengals, who many folks picked to finish last in their own division this year, back from 18 points down to take the late lead in the fourth quarter. Then remember, remember, Bengals, the Bengals had to survive overtime in Arrowhead Stadium. Remember how that cheer went up when the Chiefs won the toss? Not so much. So all of a sudden, I've got Joe Burrow, the first quarterback drafted number one to take his team to the Super Bowl in his second season, Super Bowls, Cincinnati's first Super Bowl appearance since 1989 when they were leading Bill Walsh and Joe Montana and the powerful San Francisco 49ers, absolutely the team of the 80s. January of 89, Super Bowl 23, with 38 seconds to go when Montana hit John Taylor and the rest is history. Meanwhile, the Rams, they had to fight back. San Francisco led 17-7 to at the end of the fourth quarter. And it just kind of got pissed away from there. The Rams, the win, uh, that win last Sunday completely justifies the Von Miller, the Matt Stafford, the Odell Beckham Jr. acquisition, especially Odell. After the Rams lost Robert Wood, Beckham has really been sort of an unsung. He's done really well. Uh, He looks like himself again after not so much in Cleveland. Beckham quietly caught nine balls for 113 yards Sunday, and they were impactful plays, many times moving the chain. Stafford ended up throwing two touchdown passes to Cooper Cup, who I still think is the MVP. He is incredible. Uh, Stafford in his career has had Calvin Johnson and Cooper Cup. I got to see both of them, and uh, they're they're otherworldly, both of those guys. I will say, though, uh, for the Niners, it was obviously Jimmy Garoppolo's referendum, even though he's 36-6. and All right, we have lost Bernie Fratto. Hope to get him in just a moment as we are discussing a lot of different things. Obviously, we've got the NFL and the Super Bowl coming up in a week. A lot of NBA chatter as well. And we've also certainly talked a lot about the Brian Flores situation 
and what is next for him. Certainly he has that lawsuit going on with the NFL and we and Bernie brought this up as well. The lack of African American coaches in the NFL right now, down to one, only Mike Tomlin. Why is that? And certainly a lot of discussion around that because, as Bernie pointed out, just a decade ago, there were 10 black coaches in the NFL, head coaches, and why that number has dwindled. There are a lot of theories out there as to why. One of the things that I brought up in a conversation with Bernie was that. When you see a young coach like Sean McVay have a sort of success where it sort of transcends his play and his coaching style, it's sort of like this rock star appeal. And as Bernie pointed out, because of that and how Sean McVay has been able to create so much buzz around his time with the Rams, other Organizations are trying to replicate a Sean McVay and bring them on when they are in the hiring cycle looking for a new head coach. And I think that that might be one reason to explain why things are the way they are. And I know Bernie certainly has his thoughts as well on why that is. And he brought up a lot of stats and numbers and figures on that. But we're certainly working to reconnect with Bernie in Las Vegas in the process. Bernie, it's back to you. A handoff right, up back, the guys? middle. All right. Gosh darn it. That gosh darn hamster uh, ran out of uh, gas, guys, and I had to go feed him. I gave him, a, I gave him some uh, beer and cornflakes, so we're back. Uh, the long and the short of it is I was essentially sort of re- revising how we got here from last week, the Bengals and their epic comeback against the Chiefs and the Rams and their comeback against the 49ers. And it raises some questions heading into next Sunday. Can the Bengals protect Joe Burrow? Because the last two games have been a nightmare for Cincinnati's offensive line. Burrow, yes, he was only sacked once in last Sunday's win against the Chiefs, but he faced constant pressure most of the afternoon. And it wasn't that long ago. He was sacked nine times by the Bengals. Uh, eight quarterback, 13 quarterback hits, eight tackles for loss in the backfield. The, the, the issue is, though, does it matter? Because the Bengals line struggled, but Burrow and company are 3-0 and in the playoffs. The other thing that's going to stick out in people's mind, because you got to tell the whole story, that arm punt that Matt Stafford threw, that Joukowsky Tart dropped, what if he would have caught it? Well, he didn't. Give the Rams credit. Give Stafford credit. They rebounded from that egregious error and won the game, and they did what they needed to do. So, again, you have to tell the whole story. The real question is, though, is Stafford going to do that in the Super Bowl? Because if he does, I'm not sure he's going to be so lucky against a very opportunistic Cincinnati Bengals team. Is C.J. Uzoma okay? This is a guy who's one of Joe Burrow's favorite targets. He was carted off the field in last Sunday's game. He tweeted out he's focusing on getting healthy. But this is a guy who has size, major production, huge for the upstart Bengals. And I would say he's sort of a – I think he's a, a bit of a security blanket for Joe Burrow. One other question – who will prevail, Jamar Chase or Jalen Ramsey? Pretty obvious to me that's going to be a matchup, and let's see if Ramsey draws that assignment, how that dictates the rest of Cincinnati's offense. They do have other weapons. T. Higgins looked pretty good himself. All right, coming up, we're going to bring you back out to Vegas. You know him, you love him, you can't leave without him. Mackin on sports, Mackenzie Rivers. And, oh, by the way, he's 33-14 and 14 in his prop bets. So you're going to want to listen because McKenzie will give you an early preview on some prop bets coming up for next week's Super Bowl. And by the way, if you shop at Caesars, there's 2,000 ways to bet this game. 
I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Don't go away. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, we're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto. coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. It's that time. We bring you back out to Las Vegas. Mackinac Sports, Mackenzie Rivers, 33-14. and 14. In his NFL prop bet so far this year. So, you're in luck. He's got three early props that you can focus on and fire on. As we're now, I think, about 168 hours and 32 minutes away from kickoff for Super Bowl 56. And, Mackenzie, the first one you've got on the list here, I can honestly say I've already fired on. Take it away. Nice. That makes you not alone. Credit to the hitman, the first person I heard recommend this prop, and it's a good illustration. So it's Cam Akers over current number 63.5 rushing yards, and it's a good illustration of why you want to bet overs early. Every fan of Cam Akers and every fan of the Rams wants to see this happen, and every so often you see these props where where you want to see it happen actually gets the money because Super Bowl is very rare where there's no pro can bet enough to keep the fans from influencing these lines. Cam hey, Akers real has quickly. Had, yeah. Uh, sure. I'll, you'll, you'll take it over in a second here. I actually got it at 64. Uh, what did it open at? 58 and a half. Okay. So well, I got it at 64. He, Go ahead. Well, you're right in line with the market. I think this closes at 68 or 70. How do I know that? Well, the sharpest book in town, Westgate, opened their props on Thursday, and they made a big statement. They made it 68. So you can see where all these square books are at 58, 59, 60. Sharp book comes out and says, we know where this money's going to go. We're going to put it at 68. And why? Cam Akers has looked horrible the last two weeks. Shoulder well, injury, actually, too. He actually came back from not only that shoulder injury he's been dealing with, but a record recovery from Achilles. We've never seen this happen in the same year, modern medicine. And now he has two weeks out of the spotlight, conditioning every day, getting himself right. I think all the negativity from Cam Akers' performance against, by the way, two of the best rush defenses in the Buccaneers and the 49ers, it's going to obscure the fact that if he didn't come back at all, we would say, wow, he's been seven months. This is their number one bell call uh Bell Cow back, and they're the mm-hmm. biggest favorites that they've been in throughout the playoffs. I think it's going to be a different Rams team, one that relies on their running game. Yes, I'm in agreement. This is, this is a matchup of the two youngest coaches we've ever seen in the Super Bowl. That gets me to my second prop, because so often we associate the youth of these coaches with aggressiveness, analytics, all that stuff. That's not what Sean McVay does. I am betting the Rams under 
one half fourth down conversion. You can get that right now on DraftKings at plus 135. And it's simple math. This season, they've played 20 games. They've converted a fourth down eight times, 40% of the time. You go back his five-year career, Sean McVay, as the young genius, the analytics guru. He might be an analytics guru in everything he does, but he doesn't attempt a lot of fourth downs. He's coached 90 games. 68% of the time, they have zero fourth down conversions. That would be great at even money. We're getting it even better at plus 135. The Rams under one half fourth down conversions. You know, one of the props, McKenzie, you talked about this with Fez a couple hours ago. Uh, will there be a, f- a uh, fourth down conversion? Yes is minus 400. No is plus 280. I lean no as well because I actually am the, of the belief that both offensive lines are going to struggle a little bit, and I just think that's going to factor. Just my thought. I- I agree 100%. We see so often these Super Bowls are defined by coaches not wanting to make the big mistake. We have two coaches under 38, one of them in not only his first Super Bowl, only his fourth playoff game in his career. I expect everything to be kept close to the vest, especially early. In the last 16 Super Bowls, we've seen the second half outscore the first half in 15 occasions. Goes to show you everything gets close to the vest early. That goes to my third prop. Joe Mixon, Cincinnati Bengals running back, over 16 and a half rush attempts. Credit to the great RJ Bell. He was the first person I heard recommend this also on the Dream Preview. But the number wasn't out yet, so I want to alert everybody hey, the number is out. It's time to pounce over 16 and a half rushing attempts. Again, simple math points in this direction. Joe Mixon in his last 10 games has gone over this number eight times. But then think about the matchup. What's the one matchup advantage that everyone is talking about for this game? Yes. Bengals' poor offensive line, yup, versus the Rams and Aaron Donald's amazing defensive line. Well, how do you slow down the best pass rush arguably in the game? You run it right at them. You make them think twice about going after the quarterback. That's what the Bengals have to do. To, keep a, to stay alive in this game, to keep Joe Burrow upright, and that's what they're going to do, especially early. I'm not saying he's going to be particularly effective, but they're going to give Joe Mixon the rock a lot in this game. Over 16.5 rushing attempts would be my third best bet. All right, McKenzie, you just got about 15 seconds, but I want you to grade the first prop I fired on over three and a half field goals. Why? The obvious range of Evan McPherson. The game is indoors. I don't think either team will have a big enough lead for the first three quarters to prevent from taking the points. You like it, yes or no? I like it. McPherson has never missed in his NFL life. And like I said, I expect these coaches to take the conservative route, especially early in the game. That points to your prop. Great stuff, McKenzie. 33-14. and We'll see you back in this spot next Saturday night for plenty of Super Bowl props to a grateful nation. All right. Coming up, we get to the fun part of the show. What kind of brand-new fool are you and what my name? Keep it locked. This is Bernie Fratto, Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. The Fox Sports Sunday train keeps rolling right along. I'm Bernie Fratto, coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. Hey, we're 168 hours and 20 minutes from the kickoff of Super Bowl 56. But, hey, man, we're just getting started. We got more stuff for tonight's show. And by the way, in case you haven't noticed, every day in America and across the world, people engage in odd, idiosyncratic, not-so-intelligent behaviors that we find funny, humorous, and entertaining. 
in a segment we affectionately call What Kind of Brand New Fool Are You? All right, so before I dive into this week's candidate, I want to get one thing straight. Uh, I like Golden Corral, all right? And I've eaten there a lot. And when my daughter, uh, who was a nationally ranked soccer player who played Division One soccer at UNLV, was coming through the ranks, we went on a lot of soccer tournaments. We used to like to go to eat at Golden Corral. So this last week, Golden Corral was in the news for a little different reason. In back east, what happened was there was a full-scale brawl. You can see it on Twitter. You can even see the video. I mean, man, it was on, okay? It was on. And it was all over the fact that on this particular franchise or this particular location of Golden Corral, they ran out of steak. So who's the fool here? All right, now I've already said I like Golden Corral. There's a lot of their items I like a lot. But you don't go to a buffet for steak. What the hell is wrong with you people? So all of you in that video that participated in the brawl, what kind of brand new fools are you? Chris Perfett, you're up next. All right, Bernie. Well, you would know this being of a journalism background yourself. Sometimes in the world of journalism, we have to have things pre-written. We kind of try to anticipate oh, yeah, right, right, what's yeah. what's going to happen, and we we have articles ready to go at any given moment. Very very Correct. common with with eulogies. You know, you just got there's I can't tell you how many people I've met who have like hundreds of obituaries written very and ready common to go. TV, you're spot oh, on, absolutely. So, but sometimes in our internet world, it's very easy for one of these to get out in the open. And cause some havoc, or at least scare the hell out of people. And that's what happened with Bloomberg News this week. Uh, so, in case you haven't been paying attention out there, Eastern Europe is in uh, very, very tense pressure right now. A lot of hay is being made about the Ukraine and Russia and NATO and the United States and, and tensions and a, a building up there could have a conflict any day and Bloomberg somehow in this had a pre-written article get out into the wild with the headline Russia invades Ukraine <laughs> inadvertently published around 4 p.m. Eastern on February 4th it was very quickly taken down uh, there was a statement on publishing error published right away but it's a uh, it's a bad day for whoever inadvertently went into the system and hit click publish on that article and whoever did without triple, quadruple, cool. quintuple checking is the big fool. I, I got a feeling some heads are going to roll on that one, man. You, that's that's a big one. All right, Chris, good stuff. Brian Finley, you're up. Yes, Bernie, this is an alleged fool, and I'm going out to the SEC and a very proud football program in Auburn, and their head coach in Brian Harson has been in the news. There is a lot of discussion around him because a lot of his assistant coaches and many of his players are booking it out of Auburn and they have moved on and that has sort of perked up the attention of the higher-ups, the university officials are trying to figure out what is going on here. 
reports about things being toxic, reports about the program being volatile, and his future is certainly in doubt in Alabama. As much as 20 players have left the program, again, this was just coming off his first season in which he went 6-7 and seven and finished the season on a, on a major losing streak. They just had a recent signing day, Bernie, last Wednesday, and Auburn added nobody in that most recent signing day. And there's also five assistant coaches that went on to other places, including, did you hear this, Bernie, Austin Davis became the offensive coordinator. And then within like three or four three weeks, or yeah, 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 he left. Yeah. So yeah. no, I saw it. There's a lot of stuff going on that we don't know, but I would have to throw the alleged fool moniker to Brian Harson. Yeah, it's this is an interesting one because he had seven really good years at, at yeah. Boise State, and the only thing I can surmise is his style's not working at Auburn. So I, I don't know. But uh, all right, Brian, thanks. So Bo Benson, what kind of brand new fool are you? Who's the candidate this week? Okay, so uh, this time last week, uh, everybody was freaking out because Adam Schefter and Jeff Darlington and Ian Rappaport had all reported that Tom Brady was going to retire. And so a lot of people on the internet, I guess they didn't want that to be true. So they were attacking them, saying they made it up. Um, Brady would never do that. He's actually going to come back now out of spite and win another Super Bowl. Um, But actually, if you just read the story that they all reported... Uh, Brady was indeed planning to retire. He's just waiting for the right time, the right moment to, you know, do it his way. And then lo and behold, uh, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, uh, Tom Brady did in fact retire from the game of football. So the three veteran NFL reporters who have no reason to make up a story like that uh, didn't in fact make it up. So I guess the fools is everybody that rushed to uh, clown those three for reporting the news. That's fair, uh, because those guys have solid reputations, and I think they got out ahead of it on Andrew Luck as well. But they were right, and uh, at the end of the day, the people who uh, called them out ended up being foolish. All right, another rousing rendition of What Kind of Brand New Fool Are You, which leads the perfect segue into America's second favorite feature, something that we call What My Name. All right. We're keeping with a bit of a Super Bowl theme here. There are, I'm one of two quarterbacks that won a national championship and a Super Bowl. Chris Perfett won my name. Oh. Uh, no, no, no. I got it. It's all right. This isn't easy, but you guys have been killing it through the last few weeks. All right. I'm one of two quarterbacks that won a national championship and a Super Bowl. What my name, Brian Finley. The BYU quarterback. You no. Well, they've had a lot. They got you know Steve Young, nope. Jim McMahon, but no, I was them, thinking but, Jim McMahon. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Good, good guess, but he didn't win a national championship at BYU. All right, I'm one of two quarterbacks that won a Super Bowl. And a national championship in college. Bo Benson, what my name? Uh, I don't know. The first one is Joe Montana. Joe Montana won a national championship at Notre Dame, and then he won multiple with the 49ers. Okay, I'm the second quarterback to win a national championship in college and a Super Bowl. Chris Perfett, what my name? 
I really wish you'd kept Joe Montana on the board because now that was the only answer I had. Um, uh, out of time anyway. All right, no problem. This is not easy, folks. Try it. It's like lighting your hair on fire and putting it out with a ball peen hammer. It's not easy, folks. Think it's easy? It's not easy. All right. I am the second quarterback to win a national championship in college and a Super Bowl. Brian Fenley, what my name? Yes, the correct answer is Jamarcus Russell. Very close. God, that is such a good guess. I love Jamarcus. You know, he listens to the show. Does he? I have no idea. He should. He should down there at LSU. I lo- Brian, I love that, man. I, I, you can, I love smartassery. It's very good. All right. Final shot here. Our man, Bo Benson. I am the second quarterback to win a national championship in college and, and a Super Bowl. Bull Benson, what my name? Uh, Joe Montana. He's the first one. But good guess, because you got the first name right, and you guys are going to kick yourselves when you hear this. It's Joe Namath. Joe Namath won it at Alabama, and then he won with the New York Jets. All right. You're going to detect a theme here. I'm trying to become... The third quarterback to win a college national championship and a Super Bowl. What my name? Chris Perfett. Oh, Joe Burrow. Bingo. Of course, I could have been a smartass, and there are a lot of quarterbacks <laughs> trying to do that, like, you know, Mac Jones and all that. But Joe's in this, and they're all three named Joe. Ain't that something? All right, I'll tell you what. While we're on a Super Bowl, if you guys get this, uh, help yourself to some cookies out of petty cash. This may be the toughest, toughest what my name question, but you guys always didn't manage to get the tough one. So, all right. On this day, 2005, Super Bowl 39 was played. And I was the Super Bowl MVP that year as a wide receiver for the winning team. Chris Perfett, what my name? Uh, oh, man, what's his name? Michigan. Um... It's all right. Move on. Super Bowl 39, I was the MVP as a wide receiver for my winning team. Uh, Brian Finley, what my name? Santonio Holmes. Not, not a bad guess. I don't know if he's ever been in a Super Bowl, <laughs> but I think he does hang out with Jamarcus Russell. <laughs> yeah. All right. Bo will have to save the day. I was the MVP as a wide receiver for the winning team in the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 39 played on this day in 2005. Bo Benson, what my name? Uh, is it Antoine Randall L? Oh, hey, that's a pretty good one. I covered that Super Bowl the next year, Super Bowl 40 in Detroit, where he threw that pass uh, on the uh, halfback option. He threw the best pass in the game, Antoine Randall L, who touched down pass to Heinz Ward as Pittsburgh beat um, Seattle that day at Ford Field. Were you there that day, Chris? I was not. I okay. what, what year was that again? 2006, Super Bowl 40. Ooh, I would have been been living in Winston-Salem at the time, yeah. Okay. Um, the answer is Dion Branch. Dion Branch. Uh, he played for the New England Patriots. I threw that in there because to be a Super Bowl MVP, it's not always easy as a wide receiver. But I will tell you, if the Rams win and Cooper Cup has the type of game that I believe he can have, the man is incredible. He's constantly open. All he does is get open catch the ball, and run for touchdowns. Other than that, all right. There's some interesting sidelights as we continue on with our Super Bowl theme. And by the way, 
What if I told you he better last week, took out a $20 bet on FanDuel, and ended up winning $579,000? I'll explain how. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. So keep it locked right here. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Right, we're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. And what are we now? About 168 hours, actually, from uh, Super Bowl 56 and... Uh, uh, you know, there's one guy, I know Bill Belichick likes to listen to the show and sometimes even hangs out with Chris in studio. Uh, hey, uh, Bill, you want to come on the show tonight? Bill, you there? Bill Belichick. Paging Bill Belichick. No, maybe next week. I, I didn't hear that, Bill. Could you please repeat that? Yeah, no, not right now. Maybe next week. All right, I, I get it. You're busy. You're, you know, you got to hire some coordinators now. You had Josh McDaniels leave and... And all that. Um, you you want to hire Jackson and Piper? Yeah. No, not right now. Maybe next week. All right. Thanks for weighing in, Bill. We always appreciate it, man. Uh, you know, no days off. I get it, man. I love you. I love you. Uh, by the way, you know we're getting close to the Super Bowl. If Mattress Mac is at it again, Mattress Mac, the furniture mogul out of Houston that recently bet $3 million on Cincinnati Moneyline, I think it would bring back about $4 million. And, uh what he does, here's what he does now. So the day after the Super Bowl, if the Bengals win outright, he's offering his customers up to $3,000 in furniture credits. Yeah, it pays for that, though. If he collects on that bet, that pays for that, and it's great advertising. I, I, I get a kick out of uh, Mattress Mac. And by the way, early returns, about 59% of the tickets and 54% of the money are on the Rams. And if you are so inclined to bet props and you like to shop at Caesars, now there's, you know, again, there's over 100 sports books here in Las Vegas. They're all different. Uh, but Caesars has over 2,000 opportunities to bet on props if you are, are so inclined. Um, the one prop I've fired on, over three and a half field goals. Uh, why? Uh, I The obvious range of Evan McPherson, I think he's going to get his opportunities and he doesn't miss. Plus, remember, the game is being played indoors. And McPherson didn't have a much of, you know, he didn't have that many chances to kick indoors this year. So you got perfect conditions in. I also think that this game is going to be a little managed closer to the vest by these two young coaches more than usual. And not only do I not think either team is likely to take a, a big enough lead in the first three quarters that would prevent you from taking field goals, um, I also think that there's going to be a degree of conservatism 
So I like the over three and a half field goals. I like the first half under a 24. I think there's going to be a slow start. I think the running games will get established. I think actually both offensive lines can struggle. Both coaches are going to obviously be cognizant of not wanting to make that first mistake. That could be a game-changing mistake, especially if your quarterback is Matt Stafford. Don't act like it's not. You watch. McVay will be conservative, and you won't turn him loose until he absolutely has to. But we'll see. Uh, There's some really ridiculously dumb props. I've never seen these two props. You can get 50-1 to that a long snapper wins the MVP of the game. Now, how the hell is that going to happen? Or you can get 50-1 to that a punter will be the MVP of the game. And by the way, um, you know, for what it's worth, uh, Matt Stafford last week, uh, heading into that game, he lost 26 straight starts when trailing by 10-plus points in the fourth quarter, including 0-4 this season. The Rams had been 0-14 under Sean McVay, and that includes playoffs when trailing by 10 points in the fourth quarter, and that included 0-4 this season. And I think they can send a Valentine card to Joukowsky Tart. We'll never know what would happen if he'd have caught that arm punt. But be that as it may, give the Rams credit, give Matt Stafford credit, because it's not what happens to you in life, it's how you react. And you can be in the right place at the right time, but if you don't take advantage of it, then what does it matter? Because the truth of the matter is, uh, you know, you create your own luck in these situations, and, and the Rams did. What's interesting is luck didn't exactly work out that way for FanDuel. Right? FanDuel had three betters correctly parlay the correct score of the AFC-NFC game, title games. Can you, can you follow that now? A parlay is when you make two bets and you need two outcomes. Uh, like, you know, you could parlay uh, last week uh, the Rams minus three and a half points to the Chiefs minus four points, and you would have lost that bet, but you would have needed two outcomes. So this is a parlay that a, a fan duel better who took $20 site credit. <laughs> this is amazing. And he somehow constructed this parlay where not only he predicted the correct winner of both the AFC and NFC title games, he predicted the correct score, parlayed the two. Now, if you uh, enjoy math or probability or what the odds of that would have been, the odds were, check that, it paid 28950 to 1 if you correctly picked the Chiefs to win or check that, the Bengals to beat the Chiefs 27-24 and the Rams to beat the 49ers by a score of 20-17. That's exactly what happened to this one better for FanDuel. So... You multiply $20 times 28950 and yes, the better won 579000 almost half, over half a million dollars on a $20 bet while correctly predicting the final scores of both the AFC and NFC championship games. And that took place at FanDuel. You know, a couple of other things to note. I, I am a big Sean McVay fan. I, I I mentioned earlier that I rewatched the Super Bowl in which the Rams lost to New England 13-3, to and Goff was uh, driving the Rams towards what would have been, it was 10-3, what would have been perhaps a tying score, and they got into the red zone, and Goff threw an interception. And at that point, there were still four or five minutes left in the game. But Brady got the ball back, drove down the field, got the field goal, made it a two-score game, and that was it, game, set, match. But uh, a lot of people were mic'd up on the Rams' sideline, as is typical in a uh, NFL game, certainly a Super Bowl. 
And I happened to observe that when Goff came off the field, he walked by McVay. McVay put his hand on his shoulder and says, keep, you know, keep fighting, you're doing great. When a coach uh, is able to uh, connect in that way, in that moment, that will resonate, he knew he might need production out of uh, Jared Goff perhaps later in the game. Now, as luck would have it, they didn't get the ball back. But I really like Sean McVay. Everything he's done to me, I like the way he comports himself uh, with the media. He, I think, is, is pretty media savvy. He's very accessible. He is bright. He's engaging. Uh, when they hired Sean McVay at age 30, we, you know, you didn't really know what would happen because the failure rate among NFL coaches is high. But now you can see why. Uh, this guy is terrific. How do you not like a Sean McVay? And because of him, it's opened the door for guys like you know Zach Taylor and Matt Lafleur, and probably to a degree guys like Brian Dable. Because the NFL has become an offensive league. Let's face it; it's become basketball on turf for the way the rules have changed. And the truth of the matter is uh, that it favors offenses. So a guy like Sean McVay, who happens to be an outstanding head coach, field general, leader of men, CEO type, excellent with the media, excellent with players, is also an offensive genius. To put it all together, I really am a, a Sean McVay fan. So this game is going to be a lot of fun to watch next week. And given the risk that Stan Kroenke and the Rams and they went all in, bringing in Von Miller, uh, bringing in uh, OBJ, certainly bringing in Matt Stafford. Uh, and they went all in. I don't think they have a draft choice for the next 30 years, but I'll tell you what, if they win the Super Bowl, it will have been worth it. You have to really applaud their efforts. Dan Kroenke, he took huge risk, had to pay off the city of St. Louis, got the stadium, and not only does he have uh, – he's hosting Stan Kroenke and the Rams organization, hosting Super Bowl 56, the Rams are – playing in Super Bowl 56, dream come true for Stan Kroenke. And uh, they are the visiting team, interestingly enough, on their own home stadium. They'll be wearing visiting white, but that's a story for a different day. All right, coming up, Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. As always, there are things in the news in the world of soccer, and there's no shortage of uh, the subject matter that Chris has as he brings us this feature every week. But first... Well, let's go to the silver-tongued devil who walked into the supermarket today for a loaf of bread and walked out with the girl behind the counter because, as he always tells us, man does not live by bread alone. Once in a while, he craves a cookie. It's Brian Finley with the latest. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, Bernie, we'll, we'll go from... Good night, folks. You yeah. a great audience, yeah. Yeah, so... You know, I am watching some curling on television right now with the Winter Olympics, but I won't get into a full breakdown on that in this update. I think we can save that for another time. But let's go to the NBA and the Bucks overcome the Trailblazers 137 to 108. Giannis Antetokounmpo putting up 29 points and his teammate Bobby Portis one-upping him with 30 points. LeBron James, he made his return after missing five games with that knee injury and he did not disappoint. Marveling with a triple-double to propel the Lakers over the Knicks, 122-115 in overtime. But with all of that, L.A. is still two games below 500. The Suns are 32 games above 500 as they take down the Wizards 95-80. to DeAndre Ayton getting his 20 points and 16 rebounds for the big man. 
Jimmy Butler had 27 points for the Heat as they flummox the Hornets 104 to 86 and Miami outscored Charlotte 35 to 8 in the third quarter. That seemed to be the difference maker in the ball game. John Morant was certainly the star in the Grizzlies' magic contest. 33 points for him as he wills Memphis over Orlando 135 to 115. Quickly in college basketball. Number three, UCLA now has a two-game losing streak because they lost on the road last night at Arizona State in a hostile environment in triple overtime, 87-84. to Number two, Gonzaga rolling over BYU, 90-57. to Number nine, Duke serving some humility to North Carolina and the Tar Heel fans, 87-67, the final score there. A victory for number five, Kentucky, as they continue their ascent and Alabama continues to plummet as far as college basketball is concerned. They go down to the Wildcats 65, or excuse me, 66 to 55. And finally, Bernie, golf, PGA Tour, AT&T, Pebble Beach Pro-Am in Monterey, California. And a three-way tie heading into today's final round. Tom Hoagie, Bo Hostler, and Andrew Putnam are all at 15 under. Jordan Smith is one shot behind, 14 under after after his awe-inspiring 7-under-63 on Saturday. So we will see what happens then. We also have the Pro Bowl, which I'm sure Bernie is going to be watching. I would even wonder if there was people betting on it, Bernie, as I said oh, it yeah. back to you. Hell on the yeah. Pro Bowl? Yeah? Yeah, you put an NFL game on TV, <laughs> people are going to bet it. No <laughs> doubt about it. Back to you. Hey, did Roy McAvoy make the cut? Uh, I'm did, did he make the cut? You know, that's a great point. I don't think he did. He might have actually walked off the cliff. So, Jordan so no, no, no Shooter McGavin, no Roy McAvoy. No, only Bernie Fratto. Beautiful. Made the cut, yeah. Beautiful. I got that foot wedge working. So, <laughs> All right. Speaking of foot wedge, hey, there's a segue. That's, that's the business. We call it a segue. Every week at this uh, time, Chris Perfett... Uh, regales us with his uh, world of soccer. Hey, World Cup is right around the corner. The U.S. men's team has played two of their World Cup qualifier games. What happened? Chris is going to tell us. And although they haven't secured a World Cup bid just yet, they're getting closer. So, Chris, enlighten us on the road to Qatar for the Americans. Yes, we will do just that, Bernie. It's been kind of a mixed week here for the U.S. They played two of their qualifier games, three to go. We'll get into those three and how they can secure here in a second. But let's talk a little bit about what happened here. First off, not the, not the week you wanted to start when you were uh, kind of embarrassed by Canada, who has now taken the lead in the CONCACAF region. And Canada's just kind of cleaned up in, in the CONCACAF right now. And they start the week by getting a 2-0 win over the United States. Kyle Laren, Kyle Laren, excuse me if I'm saying that wrong, uh, got out to a goal, basically the game winner in the first seven minutes. And the U.S. didn't really have much of an answer. Playing, at, playing um, not something you want to see, especially when Canada has kind of always really kind of taken it to the U.S. so far this year in World Cup. But the United States did get a game back when they beat Honduras 3-0. In, of all places, Minneapolis, Bernie. You want to take a guess at the weather, what the weather was like there? Uh, outside, for, outside or in? They played the game outdoors? It, it was serious? outdoors. It was outdoors, yes. Oh, 17 degrees. Ooh, very close. It was... Uh, oh, where did it go? I th- It was about... Five degrees Fahrenheit. 
in well, hey, in, let me, let me check with in my Saint Doppler Paul, radar in St. Paul. Excuse me, not at Alliance Field in St. Paul. Well, yeah, you're right. I just checked my Doppler radar. Uh, it's five degrees. Go ahead. It was five degrees, and Honduras players were saying with the wind chill, it felt anywhere between minus four and minus twenty. And it's uh, interesting we talked about that because two Honduras players had to be substituted out because of cold scare. They were actually worried their goalkeeper had actually suffered hypothermia. It's caused a bit of a roar uproar here in the soccer community as they've watched and said, is this really something we really want? Like, I know in American football, we love the ice bowls. We love the snow bowls and everything. That's not exactly good conditions. Like, we're playing the World Cup in Qatar in December because they're trying to avoid extreme heat. But the opposite is also true. It's it's and the US has kind of done these things with scheduling quirks. I think there was like a snow game they played here uh, in another round of CONCACAF uh, a few years back or so, but this was this was a little dangerous here, Bernie. So I don't think they're going to schedule for St. Paul in February next time around. But the U.S. picked up that win, which is good because they hadn't scored off set pieces for a while. They get three there. And Christian Pulisic, you know, the big superstar captain that has always turned heads, he's starting to show that he might be better coming in as a substitution than as a starter, which is very surprising and not great news if you're a fan of Pulisic. But at this point, it's whatever the U.S. needs to get to get going. So, at the end of the day, the USA, the U.S. men's team has two games left. What do they have to do to secure a qualification for the World Cup in Qatar? So, they have three games left, and they'll be playing them at the end of March. They'll be playing Mexico to start off on the 24th, then Panama, then Costa Rica. Now, this is important because because Mexico is currently tied in points. So, in CONCACAF right now, Canada has 25. They basically control their own destiny. The U.S. has 21, tied with Mexico, and but they lead Mexico on a three-goal differential. Mm. And Panama has 17. So in case you don't know, it's three points for a win in soccer, one for a draw, none for a loss. So basically at this point, if the U.S. wins over Mexico, their old rival, and they always play very well against Mexico, then they basically control their own destiny. They would need two, just two points after that. So either they would have to win over either Panama or Costa Rica or draw both those games, and they're into the World Cup. But that's only with a win over Mexico. Now, if they don't get that result against Mexico, suddenly it gets a little dicey because now Panama might be able to sneak up on them. I, I hate to say it, but the loss to Canada really has kind of put some pressure on them to produce at least one win here going down the stretch so it, it's going to be dicey and can't and the u.s has kind of struggled with some of these big games against their biggest opponents but thankfully it's not canada here that it's mexico and the u.s always seems to play very well at mexico however i believe the mexico match is in i'm just pulling it up again right now i believe it's an azteca i believe most of their matches remaining are going to be on the um i think i think they're home for panama but they're on the road for Mexico and Costa Rica. All right. That's, that is, do, do, do you expect the U.S. to qualify? It's hard whenever Azteca is involved. It is one of the most brutal places to play for, for an away team, especially for the U.S., especially for that rivalry, especially with the stakes on the line for both U.S. and Mexico. But I see this. I see they can probably pull out a win there, and then a, they can easily get the two points there. Costa Rica is a team you should be able to beat. So yes, I think they will qualify. But it will be very interesting to see come come the end of March. And it. But if they don't, they they need to win that game in Mexico. They just have to win. 
Yeah. Well, so it's far from a lock. We'll see what happens. I will tell you, the World Cup just isn't as, as fun for me to watch if the U.S. isn't in it. I, I loved it in 2014, so fingers crossed. All right, Chris, good stuff. Every week this time, Chris Perfett brings us his uh, his inside his insider's view on the world of soccer. This is a worldwide sport played by more than anybody else in the world, so it is worth touching on every week, even if it's just for a few short minutes. Coming up, we wrap up the show. Some story angles heading into Super Bowl 56 next week, what I think it'll boil down to. And by the way, an interesting maneuver that's going to be perpetrated by Cincinnati schools. We'll keep it locked. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Don't go away. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Right, we're back on Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Sunday. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios as we wrap up the show. Before I go any further, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles. They've been with me since 11 p.m. Pacific on Saturday night. That would be Chris Perfett, Bo Benson, and Brian Fenley on the updates. Could not do the show without the teamwork of these gentlemen as we bring this fine entertainment to a grateful nation. All right, I can't wait for the Super Bowl. I think it's going to be a more intriguing matchup than a lot of folks are giving it credit for. And I will promise you that as as we get closer to the game, the storyline and the hype will center on the two quarterbacks, and for good reason. Joe Burrow, he's been playing lights out. He's transcendent. He does everything you could imagine a young man could do on that level. And Matt Stafford, he has ultimately provided exactly what the team was looking for. They brought him in to get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. Well, they're in the Super Bowl. Interestingly enough, if you juxtapose these two gentlemen and their franchises, two years ago, the Bengals, they were 1-14 without Joe Burrow. And they drafted Joe Burrow. And the Lions, with Matt Stafford, were 3-12-1. So what's the moral? Those two guys, two years ago... Their teams want to combine four games, and now here they are in Super Bowl 56. will be played in all its glory in Southern California, where I lived many years of my life in beautiful SoFi Stadium. couple of interesting tidbits you may or may not want to know. Teams with the lower winning percentage in the last 15 Super Bowls, teams who entered the game with a lower winning percentage are 11-4 straight up, 14-1 against the number. Currently, Cincinnati's four-and-a-half-point dog. About 59% of the money, or check that, 59% of the tickets are on the Bengals, or on the Rams, and 54% of the money is on the Rams. So 
Think about that. Teams with a lower winning percentage, 11-4, and four, straight up 14-1 against the spread in the last 15 Super Bowls. You want to cash your bet? Just pick the winner, uh, much like we talked about during the wild card round. In the last 55 Super Bowls, if you simply pick the winner, you're 47-6-2 against the number. You heard that right. So obviously if the Bengals win, well, you didn't need the points. They won outright. If the Rams win, history tells us they cover the four and a half. I'm not in a hurry to lay the four and a half. I got to study this game a little closer. Another storyline, will Joe Burrow become the only quarterback to win the Heisman Trophy, a national championship, and a Super Bowl? And if he does it, he'll have done it within a span of three years. And how was your day? I talked earlier in the show how Joe Montana, who won a national championship, part of a national championship team at Notre Dame, uh, and obviously won multiple Super Bowls with the 49ers. He was the second quarterback to win a national championship in college and, of course, win a Super Bowl. The first one, Joe Namath, back in 69. Super Bowl three, when, as a 17-point underdog, the Jets beat the Baltimore Colts. Uh, 16-7, I believe, was the final score. Joe Willie had won a national championship under Bear Bryant at Alabama and then, of course, won a Super Bowl with the New York Jets. Look, both teams have reasons for hope and reasons for concern, all right? Uh, the reason for hope, the Rams are, are proven they're formidable in the fourth quarter. Uh, they were down 17-7, to and we'll never know what would have happened had Joukowsky Tart not dropped the arm punt, but... He didn't, and the Rams, even though they trailed at that point, prevailed. They came back, and I know Stafford has a ton of fourth-quarter comebacks. Don't get me started there. I spent too many years in Detroit. I covered the Lions for 10 years pre and post, and all I want to say is this. Uh, you can tell me he has 34 fourth-quarter comebacks, uh, but against two, because his record against teams who finished above 500, uh, 13 and 72, something along those lines, would be that as it may. If they're behind in the fourth quarter, you can't count the Rams out. They're slinging all over the lot. Meanwhile, the Bengals, the Joe Burrow, he's playing at a higher level, I believe, at the moment. But if you juxtapose, I, I think if you juxtapose Joe Burrow and his weapons versus Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup, and Odell Beckham Jr. with a game on the line, I, I got to give the nod to, to the to the Rams if it, if it comes to that. Um, the key is going to be the Rams' front four, especially their you know the, the defensive tackle play from Aaron Donald and. Von Miller is still a premier edge rusher in a big game, and that that's going to be quite a parlay there. Uh, you combine that with Cincinnati's patchwork offensive line, uh, which is not a great offensive line. If you don't know by that, you know that by now, then you didn't watch the Tennessee game, where Burrow was sacked nine times. There were thirteen quarterback hits. There were eight tackles for loss. They lived in the backfield. When you win the line of scrimmage, and it's that obvious. Well, that's the core of football. It's blocking and tackling. The rest is typically details. Then, even though the Chiefs only sacked uh, Joe Burrow once, they pressured him all game. Be that as it may, guess what? The Bengals still won both of those games. But to me, that is going to be the thing I'm going to watch most, especially the first couple of series. Who gets off the line quicker? How does Burrow um, and that offensive line manage to hold their own against the pass rushers uh, the Rams are going to bring? Are they going to get home? Uh, they certainly uh, have been able to when they needed to in past games. Look, many Super Bowls have been won by a, a dominant you know, interior pass rush 
which will take a quarterback out of his comfort zone. Just ask Tom Brady twice against the New York Giants. They got blitz, got to him. And look at Patrick Mahomes last year with Tampa Bay. So you've got to watch that. Do the Bengals have reason for hope? Sure. Just don't overthink it. Even though they had the worst record in 2019, that got them Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow is the first number one overall pick to get his team to the Super Bowl within the first two seasons. And uh, Burrow, last Sunday, completed 7 of 12 passes under pressure, converting third downs via scrambles. He keeps his eyes downfield, processes like nobody I've seen. He's got confidence. He makes every throw. I don't know, man. This guy is special. We'll see if he can do it on Super Bowl Sunday. Speaking of Super Bowl Sunday, you may have heard this. Last Monday in Cincinnati, a press release was uh, there. There was a press release released. It's Department of Redundancy Department. Poor choice of words there. And what's happening Monday is the Cincinnati schools are canceling schools on Super Bowl Monday. So, quote, we can celebrate the Bengals' first ever Super Bowl win. Whoa. Some people think they jinxed themselves. Nah, I don't believe people have that kind of power. Even the principal superintendent from Roger Bacon said, there's lessons you learn from books and lessons you learn from life. We're not passing up this opportunity. Good job, Cincinnati. Okay, that's going to do it. Thanks for listening. My name is Bernie Fratto. Up next, keep it locked, Brian No and Jeff Schwartz. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.